to our interview portion and we I'm going to welcome Nicole to the virtual stage right now and Encore team if we've got Lukash available let's have him stream in because I know we want to have a discussion with these two about their river of demands and so this is our first interview and I'm I'm super excited to have Nicole we just need you to scooch over and make sure everybody can see you super excited to have Nicole here we've also got Lukash hi Lukash you're all the way from Portugal. Hey there. Hey guys. Nice How to see are you. you. Good to see you Good. as well. All right. So Alex, why don't you kick off the discussion with Lukash and then we're going to turn it over to Nicole. Fantastic. Lukash, Nicole, so great to meet you. Really looking forward to our conversation today. Lukash, you, you're, you're joining in live stream all the way from Portugal. Can you maybe just introduce yourself to the audience a bit, just a little bit of background? Yeah, sure. So... Uh... 70 years in supply chain <laughs> and <Yay>. counting <laughs> and counting and the first uh, 14 and a half with uh, Procter & Gamble uh, doing some global work around the uh, well IT implementations and the uh, org redesign for both Europe and US in the past and then uh, recently or about two and a half years ago I joined the online solutions uh, where I'm doing digital transformation projects for uh, for many of the CPG CPG customers that we have, and actually one of the best uh, best things that happened is I was able to kind of join forces with uh, Laura and the Zebra team uh, nice. almost on first day, <laughs> first day of me joining online and, and support this effort for for a while. Great pleasure to be part of this. Fantastic, fantastic. So you know you've got quite a few years uh, industry experience. What's one thing or your biggest takeaway from the River of Demand activity? I think. Uh, my biggest takeaway is how people working next to each other draw different rivers. I guess that that's one of the big ones. It's like if you ask your colleague that you think you're exactly on the same page with and he or she draws the river and you draw your river, mm. you realize this complex system in your head is represented completely differently, right? And the obstacles yeah. are in the different place. And I think that's a, that's a big aha moment because we all think we talk the same thing uh, until we don't. <laughs> Normally, mm -hmm. it's too late when we realize uh, it's, it's, it's not the same thing we're talking about. So that's, I think, one of the one of the bigger ones. I would say the same for me was uh, how very constrained we are when we talk about demand data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so if you think about the work of you know sales planner, account planner, demand planner, this is just like a small percentage of of all the signals around the demand that are out there. Right. But just because they are available, we focus on what's known. And we just really focus and talk about the data we we are easily you know achievable or uh, mm -hmm. we can get our hands on and, and that's what we think is is the whole world right so that's the famous thing is uh, uh, you think what you see is all the rest <laughs> well it's but it's not everything it's it's, it's great it's a, you kind of just highlighted uh, Lukash one of the one of the challenges is these discrete potentially demand signals or or disparate data sets. What what's one of the other challenges um, that you've experienced, or potentially a foreseeable challenge that you you know you see looking into the future, whether that's supply chain twenty thirty or beyond? I think I think another one is being able to to solve the problems looking again at the system, right, and the complex demand supply relationships that are and that that's a zebra term uh, bidirectional, uh, which you know from one hand side you see the river, it's always flowing down, but in the other, in the other hand side everything that's going on in the world 
tells you that uh, supply pushes back, <laughs> right? A lot. <laughs> always, always. And 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 an ability to be able to to come up with a kind of bi-directional consensus. I think it's 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 one of the great great things that that will that will enable a lot of value. So so you mentioned one kind of action item right there, bi bi-directional orchestration. It's it's something that a lot of us that I'm kind of it's going to be a theme of this conference. I'm sure it's not going to be the first time people here at our attendees hear it. What would be two action items? the audience could start doing uh, or, or could start with right away if you were to, to, to kind of recommend one to take action to improve the river demand or provide clarity around the river of demand i think two very and i would miss if i didn't say that first thing is uh, yeah it would be to enroll and follow the zebra project where there's <laughs> and, uh, where, where there's a lot the lot, lot of thinking going on and how to how to simplify explain and operationalize it right and it's an evolving thing which means it's not ready and the other one i would really suggest to read on some of these terms to make sure you're you're kind of clear on one or two of those and then try to explain your current business pain point top business pain point you have using these terms and i think it mm. changes a lot the optics when you say okay if i had something like uh, something to measure my bullwhip effect right if i had something that could facilitate this orchestration, right? If I had something to look more onto external data, how would I describe my problem? Right? How would I how would I frame my problem differently? I, I think that's that's what I do actually very often these days. If I stumble into a problem with the, the client side and I, I really feel not getting getting the resolution that I feel is the, the optimal, I said, okay, how how would I explain the problem in the in the terms of the outside in planning and only then try to approach it? Fantastic, fantastic. I think that I don't want to jump ahead, but but that was one of the things you and I were talking about yesterday is having that conversation around the river of demand and in, in, in language. So, Sarah, maybe I'll I'll hand it over to you for a few uh, questions with uh, Nicole. But Lukic, uh, thank you so much for answering some of those questions. Fantastic experience, and really looking forward to hearing more from you uh, throughout the conference. Thank you. Yeah, that was. That was great. Thank you so much, Alex and Lukash. And again, you're going to be able to talk to Nicole and Lukash in our breakout room. So stick with us because we're just really breaching the surface right now with these interviews and some of these questions. So Nicole, welcome. I'm super excited to have you here. We met yesterday and, you know, just love your energy, love your passion for supply chain. So, you know, Tell us about your background. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yes, hello everybody online. Uh, typically I'm located in the heart of Switzerland in Lucerne. I'm working for LKQ Europe. It's Europe's largest uh, automotive spare parts provider. And uh, yeah, I'm working there starting January. We also participated in Project Zebra. And if I might describe myself, I would call myself a digital transformation native. Um, Because I never did anything else except digital transformation. And I think for for a supply chain professional, I found my perfect place, my perfect home for doing that, which is LKQ. When you work for a business, which main USP is uh, doing supply chain, that's the the perfect perfect place to be for myself. Besides that, I have consulting background, industry background, ERP background, planning background, all that stuff. Uh, so for me, Project Zebra and also participating here is uh, very, very exciting. I have to say this is one of the, no, the most exciting event I participated uh, 
since I would say two, three years since COVID. Yeah. Amazing. I love to hear that because I'm really excited to be here too. Why don't you give us your insights to the river of demand? You know, how is it impacting today's supply chain processes? So those of you who will uh, also see and, and can listen to the rivers of demand, there is also the one I drew and it's actually uh, already dated to, to, to March this year. It was okay. the very first river I drew. And for me, the insight is it lets you ask the why question. There was one comment from the River of Demand where they said, uh, as, a, as a feedback, uh, our root cause analysis ended up in the blame game. But if you see that every piece of the business is part and sits along this river, there is no blame gaming anymore. So mm -hmm. one insight is also that there is no personified supply chain, but actually every piece of the business is part of it. It drives the discussion in the organization. I think this is a great entry point uh, for non-supply chain planners, meaning the executive leadership team, to initiate the discussion around planning. We do planning to drive outcomes mm -hmm. on a balanced scorecard. This is no nerdy word anymore, uh, analytics, etc., but it gives you an entry point to the boardroom. Well, and I think it gives you visualization. So if you're going and speaking to somebody who's not in supply chain, to really give them an idea from a visual standpoint of where the gaps are, where the flow ends, you know, where it starts and what it actually means to different stakeholders in the business, I think that's really key, right? A lot of people are visual. They want to see yep. the problem. Not everybody is as analytical and uh, Excel tables don't talk to everybody. It's very, very true. They don't talk to me, I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. So did you hear anything new from maybe this morning that you'll think a little bit different after the, the event when everybody was sort of going through the demand this morning? Yeah. So uh, I had the, the, the nice opportunity to welcome the participants here on site. Uh, to the river of demand room. So this is like a room where we printed out all the rivers of demand and you can scan a QR code and listen to it. I received one feedback where it says, wow, it takes courage for a company like LKQ Europe to participate. Okay. This was for me something new. I never took it as, as, a, as a kind of courageous thing. For me, it was more of what else can we do with a business which is surrounded by disruption and we are selling 1.5 million different parts. Uh, so you need to participate in that. So it was courage. Then another, I was talking to some technology uh, providers, and also now companies are going through S4 HANA implementation, all ERP, Oracle, et cetera, implementations. And for me, an insight is that it did not change. Um, the implementation approach is still the same as 20 years back. And with this outside-in approach and also the approach of doing planning for driving outcomes on a balanced scorecard. I hope that this will change also in an approach to implementing for solutions in the future. So the power of outside in processes, where do you see that power within organizations from thinking about it? So I hope that when we present tomorrow, the figures also from Project Zebra, you will wonder or you will be at the stage of saying, how could we have done differently? So now I'm looking back and it's just half a year from now. And, and you see the facts and figures and they sell in the organization. And I wonder, we can very emotionally discuss transactional historical data and seasonality, algorithm factors, uh, yada, yada. But we are discussing the wrong topics. It's really about how, how do you want to drive a business which is surrounded by disruption like we're experiencing now which is also not going to end soon, 
without outside signals and sensing them. Absolutely. There's there's a lot going on globally that we really need to pay attention to. Yeah. So finally, what predictions do you have for the future of this endeavor? So as I mentioned, supply chain disruptions are our daily business now. Mm-hmm. So in conversation. Conversations, it's newspaper, it's the news <laughs> and boardroom and transaction at the end. At the end, we have to purchase something and we are selling parts. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to handle that on a transactional basis. Mm. And this will also change the way how we look at IBP processes on a monthly basis, SNOP processes. No, I need to press the button to procure a part, not based anymore to ensure availability and based on an MRP run, but based on Google mobility data because my supplier or my logistics provider will become unreliable and not as stable anymore. Mm. I need to these kind of things need to become our daily our daily basis. On the other side, technology providers need to become solution providers because they are the ones who can help us equip to enable a technology to, to handle disruption on a transactional basis. So true. And the word imagine is not so far ahead anymore. So I mm-hmm. think imagining supply chains 2030, this is not eight years away, but we need to think about how to handle disruption now and to also accept the fact that this will not change soon. Yeah. So imagining means also putting facts on the table and making imagination reality. Absolutely. I mean, if we're looking at it right now, it's only seven and a half years away, not even eight anymore. (laughs) So we do not have a lot of time. Well, thank you to Lukash and Nicole for some really insightful thoughts on the river of demand. Nicole, why don't you stay with me? Because we're going to talk with Fred and Rapu next. We're going to have a bit of a conversation about their perspectives on the river of demand. And then we're going to head off into breakout rooms. So you may as well stay with me because we're going to go into the breakout rooms right after this. So can we welcome Fred and Rapu to the digital stage? Hi, Sarah. Great to be with you and great to see you, Nicole. Ah, Hi, Fred. How are you? Where are you? Where are you coming in from? I'm coming in from uh, Roswell, Georgia, down south. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Well, we are excited to have you here. Why don't you start with who you are and what you do? Again, my name is Fred Bauman. I'm Vice President Industry Strategy for 09 Solutions. In in my role, I have uh, the pleasure to do a lot of really cool things. One is to work with people like Laura Ciceri to define the next generation of planning, or as we call it, outside in planning, and also work quite a bit with senior leaders in supply chain Uh, executing what we call art of the possible sessions, right? To really spur innovation and work for their own businesses. You know, part of my role with uh, Laura is to define uh, outside in uh, planning processes. I'm one of the founding members of the Project Zebra Initiative. I work very closely with ASCM, which is going to be a key partner as we think about adoption of these processes, right? How do we give people a roadmap to actually execute on these uh, cutting edge concepts that people like Nicole had the courage to engage and execute upon. So uh, that's a little bit about myself. 09 Solutions, uh, you know, we are a leader with our AI platform around, um, you know, forecasting, replenishment, you know, now doing some outside and planning capabilities directly in our platform. So we're, we're proud to be a part of this initiative. 
Amazing. Amazing. And I did say that Rapu was with us, but I don't think he is or they are here with us yet. So we are going to focus on you, Fred. Fred, you're in the hot seat for the next few minutes before we go into the breakout rooms. So how were you introduced to the River of Demand? I know you said that you're one of the founding members of Project Zebra, but how were you introduced to this concept? And when you were introduced to this concept, what was going through your mind? Because I'm sure as a supply chain professional, um, you were like, this is exactly what we need. Well, I, I tell you, I, I think the, there's a, a key uh, concept that, and, and answer your question first, Laura introduced it to me. And, you know, I think it's a great model for unlearning, right? We, we, we're going to talk about that term, right? I've been in supply chain for 30 years, did stints at IBM, did stints at General Mills and supply chain planning 20 years in technology. And the challenge with that is you bring baggage to the table around the way things have always been. And so the river of demand kind of shifts your mind away from some of the traditional supply chain planning thinking, you know, the output of it as an example is a time phase spreadsheet of what, you know, what demand is going to be. Well, the river of demand forces you to think totally outside the box. Think about demand as a flow, not as a time phase spreadsheet and be able to translate the, the demand signals that are as a flow across the key functional stakeholders along this river. That's a a little bit about my perspective on the river of demand and how I was introduced to it. Well, and I want to turn to Nicole on this one. How were you introduced to the river of demand and what was going through your head when you heard about the concept? I started following Project Zebra once it appeared um, because I follow Laura on on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then there was a training, which I signed up for attending. So, uh, and I thought this is like a nice listening training, uh, (laughs) but it ended up like uh, doing homework until 11 (laughs) 11 30 at night. So uh, we had to submit the homework and the river of demand was one of it. Yeah, this was my first interaction. I have to be very honest, as a supply chain planner, starting to draw pictures and thinking of rivers uh, in a a flow uh, of demand in a flow was at the beginning, I, I was I was hesitant, and okay. I thought, okay. Also, what are the discussions? What are my peers in the company thinking about me when mm-hmm. I come up as a supply chain planning specialist and I show up with a with a river of demand? So mm-hmm. I was hesitant, but it's really an eye opener to 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 have the discussion in the company, as mentioned. So that was my introduction. I just uh, went into the cold water and started swimming with Laura. Thank you for sharing that, and I think we're going to get into more of that in the breakout rooms. Really talk about what you went through as a mindset, right? To get you to where this was something that could be adopted, right? Because like you said, Fred, everybody's coming with baggage and the way that we've done things in the past. And, but we still as human beings have different thoughts going through our heads when it's something new, right? In our current roles and what we're thinking about within our organizations and our leadership. So, uh, Fred, what have you learned from modeling outside in uh, demand? Well, I think there's a couple of key things that became uh, key observations for me. Uh, Nicole talked about the workshop. We we opened up a workshop. We had in two days uh, over 40 companies kind of uh, wow. fill this thing up over three workshops. And these were globally across CPG, oil and gas, automotive parts, you know, a great variety of industries. And, you know, one of the things that really struck me from this was, you know, I, I captured Lukash's point around how if he, he drew the demand river of demand, then he had a coworker, they might draw it differently. But I saw a lot of similarities for challenges. The mm-hmm. similarities around people trying to tie 
their their demand signal to a budget and constrain it to a budget and how that distorted the the signal up the huh. supply chain. Uh, that was a consistent theme that we saw. Uh, mm-hmm. The other key learning that I had just in general was, you know, I have a, a background in demand planning and there is a huge focus. You talked about anybody in demand planning is 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 measuring forecast accuracy and, and trying to improve it by, you know, incrementally point by point as a, a major focus. Well, one of the key focus areas of shifting, you know, demand accuracy, forecast accuracy is still important. But one of the big ahas for me was really measuring and monitoring latency, right? So then the Zebra program, we defined three key latency measures that should be looked at in an outside-in planning framework, uh, demand latency, market latency, and process latency. And interestingly, demand latency was uh, is really, you know, when, when you have a consumer buy something, how long does it take to translate into an order? And mm-hmm. for BSH, who makes uh, dishwashers and other types of uh, refrigerators and other parts, that was about a two-week signal that they had with their key customer base that they piloted with. Wow. Market latency was when, what are the external market signals that are correlated to demand? And for them, it could be housing permits, right? You think about people furnishing their new kitchens and things like that. They were able to see market signals that were a trigger for demand six months into the future, right? So that's kind of like if you're a baseball player, knowing what the pitcher's going to throw before he throws the ball, it's going to be a fastball, is it going to be a curveball? You're much better prepared. And then the last one is around process latency, which is, okay, once I realize that I've got a supply shortage and they've had, like all companies, different challenges with supply inputs, you know, the whole time to reorchestrate their supply chain, right? For them, it was an allocation process. Well, that time took four weeks for them. And these things were never measured before. And they looked at the business impact of just, just this handful of new insights that had a much greater impact than looking at, you know, tr- you know, forecast accuracy with a different algorithm as an example. So a quick example there of uh, my insights. I always love examples like that. So I appreciate you for sharing that, Fred. Would you agree with that? What What are your thoughts on, you know, the latency and what impact has it done for your business by doing the river of demand? We are in our business very reactive when it comes to replenishing spare parts. Either a car repair happens or and we are very reactive, even though we see that the weather changes, etc. We need to proactively steer the replenishment of branches to be close to the customer when a repair happens. So it's the nature of our business to reduce latency is 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 I would say our competitive advantage uh-huh. in, in our business. So it's not just sensing the demand, but it's actually if a part is available in a branch, mm-hmm. that's where the customer will buy. Yes. If it's not there, it's lost sales. Mm-hmm. So for us, that's competitive advantage. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about using supply chain as their competitive advantage. And that's a great um, example of how you can actually do that. So Fred, if I'm in the audience right now and I'm thinking about the river of demand, how would I, and I and I wanted to do something like that to really point out maybe the gaps or the challenges and things that we have. And I'll, I'll come to you afterwards, but Fred, how would, how would I get started and how would I get my leadership team on board? Well, I think the first thing to do is to try to do it yourself. It's uh, it's not too big of a challenge, but it'll force you to think differently about how you know demand flows through your own organization. And if you go to the uh, Project Zebra website as well as you know Laura's website here, uh, you'll see just examples to get you started to get the juices flowing, right? And then 
you know, I, I would suggest that uh, you'd have a couple of your your different functional members draw the same thing and compare notes. And I think you'll find as oh, Lukash, okay. you know, stated earlier, they're going to look fairly different and you're going to see things, you know, from a functional perspective that you probably wouldn't have seen, you know, in a traditional supply chain kind of conversation. So that's, that's where I would say to get started. The zebraproject.org has a glossary of terms, right? So a lot of this is about language uh, where we define, you know, terminologies around latency and other things that would help people think creatively as they're drawing the river as well. So that would be the second thing that I would suggest. Amazing. What about you, Nicole? Somebody in your position that, you know, wants to, and I, I think that's a really great point, Fred, is if you have several people drawing it out and mapping it out differently, you're definitely going to be able to see those gaps and see the bigger picture and also see how they see it as well. Because I think everybody on a team looks at things very, very differently. And that's where innovation happens. Right. So so what would be your words of advice on how somebody could get started or start implementing maybe a project like this? Don't be shy. <laughs> That's a good just, one. I just have here on my iPad the, the river of demand and how it looks like. Okay. So if you look at it, it's not an art piece <laughs> from funny. Picasso. No. Uh, so don't be shy. I'm not an artist. And I also did that exercise and it will feel very weird, especially when you are an analytical person. So don't be afraid of this and then start discussing it with your peers. Take a flip chart and just do it. And it's the discussion which counts, not the beauty of the picture. Absolutely. I mean, we're supply chain professionals. We're not graphic artists. <laughs> But I think that the idea behind it, the exercise behind it, I think the information that we're given. Alex, I haven't heard from you recently. Do you have anything else that you want to add or maybe a question you want to ask Fred or Nicole before we head into breakout rooms? I, I don't have any questions. I just want to encourage the online audience. If you do have any questions, please throw them in the chat. We are monitoring it. Go ahead and we'll pull them for Nicole or Fred. Um, or if you have any, um, you know, if you want to tweet along or if you want to use LinkedIn, use the hashtag uh, uh, supply chain 2030 and we'll, we'll make sure we capture those. Yeah, that's a great point. We do want to make sure that you're reaching out on social media, you know, tweeting some of the tidbits that are coming out of today and make sure to use the hashtag. And both, I think, Alex's team and my team are going to be uh, retweeting that and taking a look at that as well. All right, well, we've got a couple of minutes, I think, before we head into the breakout room. Do you have any sort of final thoughts before we head into the breakout room as to, you know, what questions people should maybe think about bringing into those breakout rooms to really make the most out of these discussions when it comes to their businesses and how they're thinking about demand and the river of demand? Yeah, I think the first thing that we saw, and it would be a question to ask participants to ask themselves is, what are your primary signals for creating your consensus demand plan? And, you know, what signals do you have the data for, but it's unstructured and you haven't figured out, okay, how do I actually apply it, you know, properly, whether that be a weather signal or a mobility signal for pings on a supply chain phone. So what we found is a lot of people are still using shipments and orders as a primary proxy for their future demand signal. And, you know, what we know about today's environment and it's the future is going to look very different from the past. So you're, you're starting out at a disadvantage. So I think a good use of time is to start, you know, share, share some of the outside in signals, whether they be demand or supply side, 
with the other uh, participants in the, in the breakout group. I think that would be a good uh, use of time. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Fred. I see that Rapu just joined us and we only have a minute before we go into the breakout room, but thank you for joining us, Rapu. Do you want to just let everybody know who you are and what you do before we head out? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Rupa Daman Singh. I'm a, a VP in product management uh, at Online uh, uh, Solutions. I've been in the supply chain space for 25 years plus, and I've been involved with uh, Project Zebra now for over a year and uh, worked with the, uh, the the pilots that we are working with, the reverse RFPs, and some very exciting findings as, as we execute to those. So. Great. Thank you so much. Well, hopefully those words from Lukash, Nicole, Fred, and Rapu have inspired you because now it's your turn. We're going to head into those breakout rooms now to dive even deeper into the river of demand. I will be in one room, Alex will be in another, and Lukash, Fred, Rapu, and Nicole will join us um, virtually to answer your questions. And participation in the breakout rooms will also win you points. There's that leaderboard on the platform, so make sure to check in there and see where you stand as we will be giving away prizes throughout the conference. So I'll see you all in the breakout rooms. And so we've got Rapu, we've got Fred, we've got Lukash, and we've got Nicole here with me. And we want to we want to answer all of your most pressing questions. So if you have any questions, make sure to put them into the chat function so that or the ask function so that we can see those questions and we can ask them. Now Alex, when you went into your breakout session, you guys had a really robust discussion. So fill us in on what happened over there. We did. Yeah, we, we had a great conversation around where and what do you do uh, once the river of demand, excuse me, once the river of demand was drawn. <clears throat> and there was there was a, a, a few different points that were shared around that. But Really, it was getting together, not just uh, what to do, but who to do it with and, and getting together uh, with a cross-functional team and, and, and doing the river of demand exercise with everyone. That was one of the, the few things we shared was getting everyone on the same page, see if they're different, like like uh, Lukash mentioned in the, in the initial interview, or like Fred said, see if they're similar. And it's a really great exercise once you do it with a cross-functional team. And then make sure that that team has a an executive level sponsor so that when you go Go through this river of demand activity and you start to work to clear up the, the 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 murkiness or you work to improve your flow have someone that uh has the 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 right decision making ability within your organization but then having the doers the movers and the shakers within the cross-functional teams are also very important so a little bit of the who and the what um, was what we discussed and rapu fred uh, lukash please join in if, if i missed anything else no, Alex, I thought you did a great uh, recap there. So, you know, the things that the thing that we uh, thought the most value, right, is to get alignment uh, on the other. The other thing that we talked about was getting alignment on some of the other outside and signals, right, that could be leveraged mm -hmm. that aren't. And to really push back on this predetermined notion that, you know, outside data has to be perfect, right? Uh, outside in data is often unstructured. It's not pretty you know, challenge challenge back the the kind of the historical traditional paradigm of hey, it's it's an ERP, very structured checkpoint digit accuracy. You don't have to have that um, when you start looking at some of these other types of data. 
And data is huge, right? A lot of people are talking about data, but they have a lot of challenges with their data. What what can you bring to that discussion, Nicole, around data and how that affected what you did with your river of demand? And just to let the audience know, we've got about 10 minutes left for this breakout before we are going to go to the live in-person stage. So if you do have any questions, make sure to put it in the ask function. Well, the river of demand exercise puts the focus of technology, of availability of data, I would actually say, and puts it more into the direction of how we all influence it. Um, I was just, when Fred was talking, I I was thinking it's a kind of phase zero, how to get your, your, your sponsorship for any initiative. So, I mean, we applied for Project Zebra and this is how we got in. But basically, if you want to start such an initiative, you need to you need to get that buy-in. I think that discussion, so you get rid of the discussions about this is another technology exercise, this is another data exercise, but really to drive the right business discussion out of it. I think this is a great vehicle for this phase zero, how to sell it to your to your sponsors. Great. And Lukash, how do you drive that business discussion? How, what, like what questions should you be asking or what are the things that you should be focusing on when you do look for a champion within your organization? So I, I would agree that I think the, the most important question is who you will bring on the journey, right? And that's really the primary question to ask. And then this, the second one will be how to converge, right? Uh, so the, the river of demand is a great exercise to, to mm-hmm. open the door to, to you know, open new door, take a new turn, but then you really have to get that get tangible, right? And and actually it, it's 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 a fair comment that we've been doing this 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 proof of concepts with multiple companies in Project Zebra and, and there's always like a very long pause when we, we, we are supposed to start, right? And and get get really clear about what's the problem we're going to try to solve using this new terminology. And and it's uncomfortable. So you need people with a little bit of resilience and you know mind that's open to to new <laughs> new questions. I would probably say, uh, and yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's probably the the recipe. So a little bit of of, of passion and a little bit of patience uh, mixed. Yeah, because I think we're all kind of getting used to being uncomfortable. <laughs> last couple of years. So that's that's a great way to put it. Now, Fred, before we were um, heading into the breakout rooms, you talked about primary signals for demand plan. Do you want to expand on that a little bit for the audience and just talk about maybe what they're looking for or what they should be thinking about, or maybe there's questions to be asking themselves before they hit in, head into an exercise like this? Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, the thing that was surprising to us with the 35 plus companies that we had in the workshop, right, was what are what are their inputs today, primary inputs for creating their demand plan? It's a great question, right? And in an inside out kind of focused company, their primary um, history signal is history, number one, it's orders or shipments for the most part. And what we've learned in times of COVID and times of port uh, you know, <laughs> congestion in terms of major shifts of near sourcing uh, plans, et cetera, is that the future is not going to look like the past. It's going to diverge quite a bit. And, you know, even the convergence between online and brick and mortar, right? There's been huge shifts, right? So using those as your primary forecast signal is, is wrought with, you know, peril, <laughs> so to speak. So how do you enhance that, right? And And I think it starts with an inventory of, what are the outside end signals that can give you a leading indicator for how your demand might change, right? So we learned 
about mobility signals and employment indexes. And this approach gives you a great way to test uh, what I, I would call testing a, a, a hypothesis, right? So people have a hypothesis that when the weather is hot, their dam- demand is going to go up. Or when prices go up, their demand is going to go down. You know, we we learned quite interestingly that a lot of these hypotheses can be proven false with quantifiable data. And the best way to kill an opinion is with data and analysis and insights, right? <laughs> so there's lots of opinions across functions. And, uh, you know, you have the opportunity with some of these this new thinking to really provide some quanti- quantifiable insights in the way you plan your business. Absolutely. And data is so important, obviously, bringing the facts to the table and not really feelings or opinions, right? That's the only way we can really move forward, especially when we're talking to the leadership team that doesn't necessarily have that supply chain background. Now, Rapu, I want to bring you into the conversation because we didn't get a chance to talk to you really before we went to the breakout back in here. So talk to us a little bit about what you've been seeing around the river of demand and why it's so important for everybody to really take a look at it through this lens. Sure, Sarah. The, uh, there was an interesting discussion in the breakout room with Alex. So uh, the, the, the fundamental thing I think is uh, it's the unlearning aspect. Right. When you draw the river of demand, especially when you see various colleagues and other companies actually draw it. Right. And what comes to bear is that uh, there there are so many assumptions that are going into the river of demand as to where is the boundary of your enterprise? What are the all the width of the river, the breadth of the river, depth of the river? Right. And, And that is a key unlearning. For a simple example, your customers obviously influence your river. But your customers' customers are equally important because that those are the ones who are influencing your customers. If your demand is dependent upon your customers, so so that's that's fundamental, pretty important, right? The other uh, that Fred was uh, mentioning was, uh, and I hundred percent agree with it, that we come with our preconceived intuitions, right? We have developed those, honed those intuitions throughout. And a lot of times those intuitions don't play out the way we think they should. Right. Why? Because the, 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 the other things around that have changed. The business has changed. The future has changed. So it's uh, very important, therefore, to look at the data, let the data speak, you know, absorb what it is, what it is telling you, and then come with, uh, with, with your intuitions and change it accordingly. So I think so those were the key learning lessons that not only I personally, you know, learned, but also all the participants in the, in the pilot uh, learned as well. Rapu, can I ask a follow-up question? How how were systems, how were the interoperability between systems? That's that's something we come across a lot is a big challenge, right? Systems being able to understand or connect or really uh, transmit data across. Was was that a roadblock that you saw or was that something that, that not many organizations faced? So I think so. I'll, I'll answer this in you know, interpreting it in two ways. One is for the pilot, it's a very specific time-oriented that we are going into, right? So the key here was that as we are getting data from the systems, uh, that everybody is on the same page with respect to the interpretation of that data, right? So we are actually going and seeking data, looking for data. Do you have this data? If it is coming in, then what does it really mean? At what level does this data actually make sense? Uh, you know, all those questions have to be asked and understood. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's with respect to the pilot, right? 
uh, but uh, when you act actually-